Another question comes to my mind. If rubber met the road with me, would I renounce Jesus to save my own life? What's Jesus say? He says, those who would lose their life for my sake would find it, but those who would save their life would lose it. We are going to continue in the book of Romans today, a new chapter, chapter 10. Chapter 10. My message today is salvation for all. That's what it says in my Bible. Salvation for all. I like when my Bible gives me my sermon titles. It's really cool. But we have to ask ourselves and we have to think about this salvation that we experience, the salvation that we have, do we... uh, believe it's for everyone? Do we believe it's for the people that uh, maybe we don't get along with, maybe we don't like, maybe they rub us the wrong way? Is it for them too or is it just for us? And we have to really think about that and think about what Jesus, Jesus's example, you know, he's always our example. And Jesus uh, pled for their forgiveness the people's forgiveness when they were nailing him on the cross or when they were having him on the cross, put him on the cross. So uh, that begs the question of us, how we view other people, how we view those that maybe don't like us, those that maybe uh, talk bad about us, try to try to destroy our character. I don't know if anybody here has had that happen to them. I have. It's not fun. Um, but we have to love those people. We have to love those people. So... Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for, for, Israel, for Israel is that they may be saved. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to the righteousness of God. Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness for everyone who believes. Now, we're going to stop there for a moment. We'll go on. We'll go on. But Paul is beginning a setting the stage here of of getting them to understand. We'll go down here, and he's bringing back Moses and the law and things, and establishing how Jesus is the fulfillment of the law or the end of the law. But Paul is basically saying in this first portion of Scripture is that the Israelites, even though they're God's chosen people, they must submit to Jesus' command to be saved. They must submit to Jesus to see God and be in heaven. They must do that. They're establishing their own righteousness by works and not by faith. And of course, we know in Ephesians, Paul talks about how how righteousness and faith and, and all that comes about in Ephesians chapter chapter 2. But he's establishing there that, that even the Jews, God's chosen people, even the ones God uh, says God's chosen people, if they do not submit to Jesus Christ, they too will be lost. They too will be lost. If, if anybody uh, could be saved, if anybody should be saved, or if, or, if, or if everyone's going to heaven no matter what, what was the purpose of Jesus coming? He didn't die just for the Gentiles and leaving the Jews alone because the Jews were God's chosen people. He died for all of us. 
the Jews and the Gentiles. And we must submit to his authority and submit to his rule. Now, it says that for being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to the righteousness of God. At the point that Jesus came and died on the cross, they, the righteousness of God was found in Jesus and they didn't submit to that. So they themselves are, being, are not going to be established in God because they, they did not submit themselves to Jesus Christ. They are to submit themselves to Jesus. Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. That includes the Jewish people. That includes the Jewish people. There are Messianic Jews in this country and in, even in Israel. There are Messianic Jews. Jew, Jewish people who believe Jesus was the Messiah. And that's what Jesus wants. All of us to submit to Jesus and believe he's the Messiah. One day, one day, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will. God's chosen people, if they do not submit to Jesus and become Christians by way of born, being born again, experience, having the born again experience, they will one day bow before God and bow before Jesus and, and proclaim him to be the king. And that he is Lord. They will do that. Now, he goes on in verse 5. He says, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is based on the law. For man who does the, those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But it does say, but, but what, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we preach, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that, we that you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that's why it's so simple. See, people, people put everything so difficult on their way of doing things. We have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this in order to be saved. We have to do this and this and this. We have to follow these rules, we have to follow these things. That's how we're going to be saved. That's how we're going to be, be with God. No. Paul gives us the formula. He gives us the formula. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you, believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Now, now understand, we're going back now to the book of James. Out of the, out of the, out of the, Abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. James says that. So if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, if we believe that fully, that'll come out of our mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our heart is fully trusting, fully loving, fully focused on Jesus, we will confess that. 
we will confess that. Question remains, and this is one that I always, things like this, when it comes to me, I always ask questions of myself. What is my heart full of? What is my heart full of? How do, I, how do I speak? See, a, a, a good indication of what your heart is full of is, how, is, is, is your speech. What do we talk about? How do we talk? What is, what is, the, what is the motivation for our speech? And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about necessarily do we swear, do we cuss, although that's part of it, but how do we talk? How do we... How do we What's our outlook on life? What's our outlook on other people? What's our outlook on our situations and our circumstances? Those kinds of things are also what's in the abundance of the heart. And if we have a situation where it's dire, and we're going to have situations in our lives where we are having difficulty with that particular situation, per se, and that will be voiced out, but the Christian would say, well, yeah, God, help me with this particular situation. Our first thing, and I've said this, and I'll continue to say it to the day, to the day I die, if I, whatever, whenever I die, uh, the first thing we should do in any situation is go to the Lord. Too often, Jesus is a last resort situation. You ever notice that? Too often, people run here, run there, do this and do that. Now, I'm not saying that doctors are bad. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor. But what I'm saying is, pray to God and God will lead you to the correct doctor. God will lead you to the correct facility where the doctor then can be used by God to do that which he needs to do to make you better. Too often, we, we leave God out of it. Too often, we leave God in the, in the, on the back burner. And that, too, is a, is a problem with our heart. Our actions and our, ability to, and our ability to have a good outlook is also what's in the abundance of our heart. If we have a good outlook on life and we have a good relationship with God, then things are going well. I always say this, too. Right spirit, right heart produces right speech, produces right living. Okay? Right heart produces right living, produces right speech. That's a correct order. Right heart produces right living, produces right speech. We've got to have a right heart first. Now, I'm not saying we're all in here perfect and we all are going, we're all, our hearts are all right because, you know, quite honestly, the Bible says that the, the, that the heart of man is evil. And what is, an in, the, what is the inclination of our heart in every God-given situation? The sin nature would suggest that our heart is to go for what we understand, what we know is that to rely on ourselves, rely on other things. It is foreign for an unbeliever to rely on God because they rely on themselves. It is, and it's even sometimes foreign for a believer to rely on God because they've relied on themselves for so long. We're to rely on God. Or to rely on God. So what is in your heart? If your heart is full of God, you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that confession brings about belief. See, faith brings about the confession. The confession brings about belief. Now, 
You believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead and you, will be, and you will be saved. You see so many people, a lot, a lot today, I've noticed, there's been a lot of things where people are saying things that, are, that they found the body of Jesus or they found this, this, this woman who, or this skeleton of a woman in a crypt that has the name of Jesus on it and they believe it to be Jesus' wife and there's another baby there or something or someone else there that they think is Jesus' wife and child. And, and that's, we are to reject those things. Jesus was the only Son of God, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose again. Now, let me ask this question. If, if Jesus would have not sinned at all, would it have been sinful to be, for him to, have, to rightly have a wife? Would that have been sinful? In the normal circumstances, no. Would it have been sinful for to him, to him to have a child in the right circumstances? No. Other people did. But that was not his mission. His mission was not to live and have a family and raise a family. His mission was to live a sinless life and die for all of humanity. So if somebody was going to say to us today, well, Jesus had a wife and a child, that was not his mission. His mission was not to raise a family. His mission was to die on the cross for my sin and your sin. So we reject those things, even if it would have been under the right circumstances and not a sinful thing, but a right circumstance, it still was not his mission. He was sinless because he, wanted, he had to die for our sin. Had to die for our sin. Now, that belief can be challenged by things like that. That belief can be challenged by those documentaries by whoever, National Geographic or, or whatever, or whoever, Ancient Aliens. You ever watch that show? We watch it because it's preposterous. But, it, but they too attack the biblical worldview of Christianity. And those, one, those episodes make me angry. But some of them are just preposterous and funny. Now, it goes on and he says, With the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a complete thing. You believe in your heart, you have this faith in your heart that brings about this confession with your mouth and when you confess it out when you bring it out and you confess it out that is like a seal of belief a seal of faith you've confessed it out and that brings about the salvation because not only do we believe but we share it that's why when when uh, when I got saved I gave my heart to Jesus on April 13th, 1997. Down in the front of a little Assembly of God church. A little bit from the right of center on the front row. Day I'll never forget on the front of the altar there. When I got saved, 
The first thing that I was told after an elder or, or, or a board member prayed with me was, now you go and you tell somebody what Jesus did for you. Now you go and tell, tell people about what Jesus did. If Jesus saved you, you need to tell somebody because that's something that's great that happened in your life. That was the ceiling of salvation. It made it real. If we're going to say, Jesus saved me, that concretes it in our heart that Jesus really did do something. You know, I had this feeling of, of weight lifted off my shoulders. I had this, I got up feeling, you know, I went down there feeling broken and, and, and contrite and all these things. And I got up after that prayer feeling like the world had been lifted off my shoulders and I was told to go tell somebody. Why? Because that seals that in our own understanding, in our own heart. Jesus really did do something. He really did touch us. He really did touch my life. He really did touch my heart. He touched me. Remember that song by the Gaithers? He touched me. Whoa, he touched me. We need to be doing that. You know, if even, even today, if God touches your heart or touches your body for healing even, or even if it's, if it's something God brings you comfort, God does those things so that you can minister to someone else going through something similar. I'm, you know, if I'm depressed or if, or if someone's depressed, I've had times in my life when Jesus had touched me in that depression and brought comfort and peace. I use that to encourage others to turn to God. And that continues to build faith and seals it in our heart that we are saved, that I am saved, that I am, a, that I am following Jesus. That's what that confession with our mouth is for. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. Now, true belief helps us to not be ashamed. Boy, they must be having a world of fun down there. But, I, but I'll tell you, true belief, you know, people that, you know, you look at the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament, those people like the apostles, James and Peter, John. John was exiled to the island of Patmos, didn't get crucified, he died later in life. Peter was crucified upside down. He was not ashamed. He was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He was not ashamed of Jesus. Now, they were going to end his life. Did he renounce Jesus? He had done it three times before, but when the rubber met the road, did he renounce Jesus? No. Another question comes to my mind. If the rubber met the road with me, would I renounce Jesus to save my own life? What's Jesus say? He says, those who would lose their life for my sake would find it, but those who would save their life would lose it. So we have to ask those questions. If the rubber met the road with me or with you, somebody had you down somewhere and said, you know what? Or just this case, just in this case, if you, if you say that you are a believer and you start talking about Jesus in the workplace, you're fired. Even though if that's illegal, they'll find a reason to do it. If you're brought with that situation, what do you do? Do you zip the lip or do you do what God wants you to do? 
sometimes that's worse than anything when you don't have money. You don't have a way to make, make men's meet. You start losing everything. It kind of, and, and, it's, and it's worse than being killed for your faith because once you're, you're done, you're with Jesus. But this is a slow progression of loss. If someone were to say, if you continue, we will fire you. You continue, you're fired, then eventually you'll lose your, your car, you lose your electricity, you lose your, your heat, you lose your house, you lose your, your family. And it's a progression of loss. And what do we do in those situations? Do we, do we stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to do what God wants me to do anyway? I've done that. I've done that. And I've been put on, put on task for doing that. I remember one time I was asked, there was a, I was cleaning out lockers. And someone, one, someone that was there was a Christian. And they had left and I was cleaning out lockers for new employees. And there was things I left on the table like extra pens or extra, you know, books or whatever. People wanted to read books or whatever. And there was a... Uh, Bible that someone had left, and it was one that was a paperback, one that you get out, that you give out for evangelism. And I left it on the table, and I thought, well, I'll just leave it there. Maybe someone that won't pick it up. Well, I got called in the office, and I said, well, and they said, well, you know, we don't like that you're distributing re re religious material, and this needs to be um, thrown away. And I looked at the person that was writing me up. And she said, well, we're going to throw it away if you don't want it. I said, well, I've already got one. Would you like it? And they said, no, I don't want it. And so I went ahead and took it because I didn't want it to be thrown away, and I gave it to someone who needed one. But I, but I, I was that bold. I said, well, do you want it? Because I, don't, I already have one. Would you like it? And, of course, they said no. But I was put to task for that. Got wrote up for being a Christian. Now, they made some kind of thing about, well, I wasn't doing my job efficiently or something like that, but the real reason was there was religious material that they knew I'd put on the tables. But anyway, we don't back down. We don't back down. God wants us to stand firm. Stand firm in Him. Right? We are to stand firm. We're not to be ashamed. He says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all, it's gener same Lord over all is generous toward all who call upon him. So he's generous to all of to everyone. That's why I said, Is salvation good? Do we do we believe salvation is for those who we don't like? Or those that rub us the wrong way, or those that that um, that we know are just bad people. People sitting on death row for heinous crimes, murderous crimes. Salvation for them? Do they deserve a chance? The nastiest person, the nastiest murderous rapist person that did the most heinous things to women or children, are they? Worthy of salvation? Sure they are. Sure they are. 
given the opportunity, you'd pray that they would accept Jesus. After all, two criminals on either side of Jesus, one said he would be with them. What did he do? What was he, in, what was he uh, up on the cross for? We don't know. Could have been something very, very heinous. Yet Jesus forgave him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Everyone deserves salvation. Everyone deserves salvation. Now, there's no distinction. I'm, I'm eligible for salvation. I'm a Gentile. I have no Jewish descent. Jewish people are eligible for salvation. We all have the same offer extended. Jesus' arms are open to all of us. Do we accept that? He says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. That means that murderous rapist who's done heinous things to women and children on death row, that person is eligible for salvation. That person is eligible for salvation. Well, somebody say, well, you know what? That person deserves, that person de deserves eternal death and damnation. So do I. So do you. We all do. We just haven't manifested that sin in the way that other person has. We all deserve hell and damnation. If we look upon ourselves, we look ourselves upon, upon ourselves in the light of Scripture, we should be damned for eternity. But yet we're extended the salvation just because someone, just because someone uh, exercised that, that sinful nature in that way does not make them ineligible for salvation. Now, question remains again. I have, I have a lot of questions on these kinds of things. But the question remains, how do I feel about that? Knowing that there is someone out there who is doing time for something heinous, whatever it might be, if that person were to ask for forgiveness, would I rejoice or would I be upset because I know they're going to be in eternity with Jesus? Not stepping on anybody's toes, just questions. These are things I ask myself. Verse 14, he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? To get people to come to the Lord, there's got to be people who are willing to share the gospel. There's got to be people willing to share the gospel. We've got to be willing to be to share the gospel. That's where it says, those who believe are not ashamed. That's why I say that. That's why, you know, when I joke around, I joked around with, uh, I joked around with, with Wayne a couple weeks ago. 
Because he had a nice shirt on, like I like nicer. He was dressed nicer than I was, and that's that's saying a lot. And I said, "You keep dressing like that, I'll let you preach." But honestly, quite honestly, if God had put something on your heart and you wanted to share that, I would have let you. I would have let you. Because we've got to be willing to share what God has done. We've got to be willing to share the gospel. We've got to be willing to share. We've got to be willing to proclaim it. How are people going to hear if we're not willing? You know, the us for no more mentality. Us for no more. We have our little clique. Nobody else belongs. That's not a willing way of thinking. That's not a willing way of doing things. We're not willing to share the gospel. We have, in that, in that mentality, we have this understanding that they're not good enough to receive salvation. I've asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it again. How much would you have to hate someone to condemn them to hell? Because that's what we're doing when we're not being open and honest and sharing the gospel. I'm not trying to be hard today, but I'm, I'm, this is an important thing. Being what God wants us to be, sharing, the, sharing our faith, being open, getting out there and doing that which God wants us to do. Those are things that are important. Those are things that are important. I was not going to bring this up. I know Sandy had mentioned something to, it this to me this morning. But I've, I've started a podcast. Now, who knows what a podcast is? Everybody know what a podcast is? Okay, it's basically a short internet program, internet program. Okay, that's basically what a podcast is. You can only hear it with internet software, smartphones, computers, and things like that. That's what a podcast is. Okay, and if you do it with a video camera, it's called a webcast. Okay, I've started one of those. And I've started it with a company that will distribute my podcast along 10 different platforms. 10 different platforms. Now, why would I do that? Why would I put something else on my plate that I already have a lot, a lot that I'm doing? Why would I do that? Well, my, my burden, my belief is that everyone deserves to hear the gospel. And when you go internet stuff, you're no longer United States only. You're, you're United States. You're global in your reach. And so my, my, my burden is to share the gospel with as many as I can, however I can do that. Now, I can't go to Sierra Leone, and I can't go to, to Botswana, Africa, and I can't go to all these other places, but I can go through the Internet. I can't go physically. I can't go. I don't have the money to travel all that way. But I can go through the internet. I can go through, through different avenues of videos and audio and things like that. I can do that. You never know. You never know. You know, it says in, in, in business that if you have one conversation with one person, that conversation will affect 12 people. 12 people immediately. 
So, and if you think about that, every person of those 12, they each will infect 12. So just in our little area of Iroquois County or the state of Illinois or America, one person can affect a county, can affect a town, it can, you can affect a state by your testimony. By your testimony, by not being ashamed. Talk with your family, talk with your friends. You know, there's, there's how many of us are here now? Multiply that number by 12 for each of us. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine up here, including myself, is 10, right? So that's 120 people that we're immediately affecting. Plus what we've got going in there will be up later, and what we got going there, which will be up, it's up right now. So think about the far reach that we have because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Think about that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, They shall not hear without a preacher. See our view of certain people, whatever that might be, can cause to bring them to the cross or push them away. Think about that. Now, and how shall they preach unless they are not sent? How shall those who are called to preach, how shall they, not, how shall they preach if they're not sent to preach? In other words, my, my whole thing is, my, my calling is to compel each and every one of you to do that which God wants you to do in the areas that you are in. Wayne and Brenda both have jobs outside the home. I, want to, I hope you're equipped to be a witness for God. Each and every one of us, and Amy has a job outside the home, and Jake has a job outside the home, but each and every one of us that don't have a job outside the home, we're not homebound forever. We go places, right? Doctor's offices, Walmart, and more Walmart, and more Walmart. That's me. But how many people do you affect in those situations? That's your job. That's your, that's your social life. That's, you know, unfortunately for, for Wayne and Brenda and Jake and Amy, your social life is your job. Am I right or am I wrong? Your social life is your job. So if you think about that, our social life is our job. What are we doing in our social life, in our jobs, to affect people for Jesus Christ? What are we doing? What are we doing? Let's not be ashamed. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's be the witnesses that God wants us to be. As it is written, he says... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring, the, who bring good news of good things. How beautiful are the feet of those. Not specifically your feet. 
I have ugly feet, to be honest with you. But not specifically your feet. But you're going, you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're being a witness for God. You're doing that which God wants you to do. God views you as beautiful because you're doing that. You're not ashamed. You're doing that which God's called you to do. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So this word builds our faith. And it's a cycle situation. See, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if we have faith comes by the, the reading of the word, the preaching of the word, that faith is built. So if you have more faith, then you'll desire more of this. You'll desire Jesus more. And it's a cycle. You, you build faith by being in the presence of Jesus, by being in his word, by coming to church. You build your faith. Your faith is built up. And what you desire in that faith, what you desire is more of the same thing. More of Jesus, more of the word, more of church. And then your faith is building. More of Jesus, more of word, more of the church. And you have all of that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as that builds then you are then compelled by that faith to go forth and, comp and, and compel them to come in and to compel them to believe and to compel them to be that which God wants them to be. That's why I say it's so important to get in the Bible. Live in the Bible, as Charles Spurgeon said. Live in the Bible. Live in it. Read it. Study it. Prayerfully consider it. Do those things. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you share the Word of God with someone who's not a believer, the Bible says that his Word does not return to him void. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. There's a little bit of faith that is sparked by someone who hears the Word of God, even if they don't show it right away. Eventually, they will, in a moment of need, call upon God. We're all given a measure of faith to believe, the Word of God ignites that faith. The Word of God ignites that faith. Now, we're going to have to end pretty soon. I can go all day. But anyway, we'll finish the chapter out. It won't take too long. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their voice went into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did... but. But I say, did Israel know, not know? First Moses says, I will make you jealous by those who are not a nation, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. And Isaiah was very bold and says, I have found by those who did not seek me, I was found by those who did not seek me, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. Think about that. God revealed himself to those who were not seeking him, who were not desiring him, but in their time of need, God revealed himself. But to those who called themselves faithful, 
We're believers. God says, all day long, I've stretched out my hands. Stretched out my hands to you. A disobedient and contrary people. And what happened? The Israelites pulled their hand away. Pulled their life away. We don't want this God. We want our golden calf. We don't want this. We want we don't want the manna. We want quail. We don't want this. We want that. We don't want we don't got any water. Give us some water. We'd be better off in sin in in, in Egypt. Because at least we had food and water there. He was pulling his putting his hand out and they were pulling their hand away. So that's a question for us. Do you pull your hand away from God? Do I pull my hand away from God? Am I a contrary person when it comes to God? Am I contrary? Are you contrary? Is this what it's going to say in God's book about me? I outstretched my hand to Josh and he was a contrary, disobedient person. Hope doesn't say that about me. Because I try. That's why it's important for us to be not ashamed, to be in the Word of God, to grow in the grace and knowledge of God, to be a people that loves Jesus and is not, not unwilling to share that. Not willing to, you know, be willing to share that. We are to share Jesus. We are to walk in obedience to Christ. As if we're not, this is what he's going to say. I outstretched my hand to them, and they were unwilling, contrite, disobedient, stiff-necked. That's a word used in the Bible. Stiff-necked people about the Israelites. And therefore they could do nothing. Romans says, For it is written, For it is written, None were saved because of you. 2.24 2.24 My name, the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you. Because of you. Because of me, because of you, because of all of us, because of our inability or in unwillingness to be that which God wants us to be. My whole thing here today is to be willing to share Jesus. Be willing to be that light in someone's darkness. Be willing to be that person Jesus wants to use to affect those around us, even if we don't even like them. Even if we don't even like them. Does that make sense? Did I, did I make sense? If I hurt your feelings, it was purely intentional. But I, I, hope, I hope that I made sense. Let's be more than we are today, tomorrow. Let's be more than we are today, tomorrow. Everyone deserves what we feel. You know, you know when we feel that peace and that comfort, when we ask God to help us, you know that feeling? You, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves to experience that. That's like, you know, the uh, same thing I feel about with little, little babies, little kids. You know, you have a little kid, 
and those and if you're a mom or a dad you know you see that little baby at about two months old and they're just smiling at you cooing and just being all cute everybody needs to to experience that everybody should experience that that's the, that's the darndest greatest thing in the world to have little baby kisses when they're that little everybody needs to experience that just like this thing with God when we have the peace and the and the strength that comes from a relationship with God everyone should be able to experience that regardless of who they are. Regardless of who they are. So I hope, I hope I'm making sense. I hope I'm spurring us on to be more than we are. I'm trying to be more than I am. Um, sometimes I feel like I fail, but I'm trying. You don't got to be perfect. You just got to try. I'm not perfect. There's a person right there that will attest to that. I'm not perfect, but I try. And that's all I'm asking, is to try. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for this day. We thank you for your peace and your grace. Help us, Lord, to be more than we are. Help us to have a desire to see others as you see them. To love others in the Lord as you love them. To, bring, to try to bring that relationship with you that we have to others and to not be ashamed. To not be ashamed. I just pray, Lord, that you strengthen us where we fall short. Whether it be fear of rejection, timidness, whatever the case, Father, you would embolden us for the faith. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. God bless you. I want us to be, I, myself, I want to be better every day than I was the day before. And I'd like that for all of us. I'd like for all of us to have that desire. So may God bless you. May he keep you. As you go in your daily life, may he uh, minister to you to grow in boldness for him and grace in his, in his word. I'd like to leave you with this. Now to him who is able to keep from you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with rejoicing. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>